BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, this is Work Party, a podcast for women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we tap experts on topics that matter most to the modern working woman. Whether you are running the show or working your side hustle, we're bringing in leading female entrepreneurs to share their stories with you. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. I am so excited to introduce activist, actress, and now podcast host, Sophia Bush, and New York Times bestselling author and fashion expert, Stacey London. Let's give it up, ladies! Look, this is all for us. Hi. Oh my God, so many phones all at once. Amazing. Wow. Hi. I just, I just started sweating. I know. Hi. Hi. How is everyone doing? I'm wearing wool and cashmere. <laughs> oh, God. It's so nice to be here at the end of the day. I know you guys are probably tired, but I hope you're still psyched. Okay, good. I feel so honored, so because this is your first live ever podcast, right? Yeah. This is the first episode that's live, so. Yes, we're recording for my podcast right now, so thank you all for being guests on the pod. Yeah. I really appreciate you. <laughs> So if any of you are wondering uh, why we're here together and how we met, Hmm. uh, we met in 2007. Uh, It was the front row of a fashion show. But what fashion show? I don't remember. Do you? No, because I saw you and then I blacked out. Right. (laughs) I was just trying to keep cool. I was like, oh my God, it's Daisy London. And I think I said hello in exactly that voice. I think I was like, it's really nice to meet you. And I was like, oh my God, Sophia Bush is talking to me. (laughs) Now, this is exactly what happened. At the time, I was doing a talk show called Fashionably Late. And I remember like being completely overwhelmed that Sophia was like, could I be a guest? Would you ever have me as a guest? And I was like, would I ever have you as a guest? Are you kidding? Would you be a guest? Oh my God, I would love you so much to be a guest. And by the time we were, you know, like ready to ask her to be a guest, my show got canceled. And I was so devastated. We had exchanged numbers and I was so embarrassed that it had been canceled. I didn't even think to call her and say, hey, could we be friends? I I, I mean, I was so in awe of her. Well, and I was like, I can't possibly, she gave me her number, but she's being nice because she's Stacey London. Like, what am I going to do? Text her and be like, you up? Like, what's going on? (laughs) I don't know what to say. Um, So I didn't text you either. And Isn't it funny because cut to 2019, you're one of my best friends on the planet, one of the most incredible advocates for women in our group of friends. And both of us were paralyzed by our imposter syndrome and we almost missed this. 
And, you know, it's really amazing. One of the biggest failures of my life was that talk show. And I put my heart and soul into it. But I will tell you that it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Just like getting fired from Mademoiselle was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Mademoiselle led to getting hired for What Not to Wear, uh, a little show you guys might have heard of. I'm so glad you're all old enough to know it. And, um, and losing fashionably late led to a whole bunch of other things, like getting hired to work for a small company called Pantene. So all of these things that I thought were all failures wound up propelling me forward to do all sorts of different things and starting my own companies like Style for Hire, which again, wound up not working out. But one of the greatest lessons of my life in that regard was, you know, sort of the auspice of right timing and that Something about training people to be stylists was something that I felt called to do. It was incredibly important to me. It's, it is incredibly important. And I'm curious, can you tell, just for people who don't know, what year was it that Style for Hire started? I started Style for Hire, well, the, the, we started thinking the genesis of it was in 2007. I launched it in 2008. Mm. There were, I think I trained over... 700 stylists across the country. A lot of those stylists went on and created their own companies. And, you know, now we see people creating apps that, you know, use stylists to help people, you know, get information at the tip of their fingertips. What's amazing about that is you see that there is the right time for everything. And now other companies are being launched based on, you know, what happens at the right time. But none of that is possible unless you risk something. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you win and sometimes you don't. And I think it's really important to be clear on the fact that if the world isn't ready for your good idea, it doesn't mean it wasn't a good idea. Agreed. If something doesn't work out, it has no ability to judge or sort of cast you as worthy or not worthy. It's it's really important. I think especially as women, we sort of get cultured to live by the shame of our greatest failure rather than by the energy of our greatest success or our greatest contribution. And men don't have that. Never. I don't know why. Ever. And and it's really interesting to me because you're right. You know, when you talk about apps, um, another incredible stylist, Carla Welch, just launched an app called mm -hmm. Luigi. And no one was making apps in 2008. I mean, we were, you know, the funny thing is we were talking about it, but at that time when you were looking for investors, they were like, we're not going to give you money to invest in an app. We don't even know what that means, right? <laughs> I mean, again, Sometimes things all come together at the right time and sometimes they don't. That is not the value. That's not the index value of your idea. Um, and I think that you're right exactly in the way that you talk about this. I actually never use the word success and failure anymore. Inherent in those words is a value judgment. It's just all experience. And whether or not you're going to use those words, you're immediately slapping a value judgment onto what is experience, right? You either, you, you, people say you win or you learn. I don't even think you win. You just learn. And those 
choices, those decisions of mine led to a lot of lessons, some good, I wouldn't even say good and bad because those are value judgments, some, but they've all led me in different directions. Well, and but some, some, some lessons are fun and some are not so fun. Right. To maybe. learn. Right. <laughs> but they're I all good. So, they're all good. And, and some made me money and some didn't. Like, yeah. Right? How about that? Like maybe that's the value judgment right there. Yeah. Some allowed me to buy a house, some didn't. Yeah. But but the idea is that, you know, if you let yourself be stopped by something that doesn't give you the outcome that you anticipated, then you lose out. Mm-hmm. Because there's always something to be learned from um, not meeting your own expectation. Mm-hmm. Expectation is the enemy of uh, forward movement. It's the enemy of progress. And every time we limit ourselves through our own expectation, we are absolutely missing out on something much greater. And that goes true for starting a business, going on a date, going to the gym. It doesn't matter. It's the idea that we have presupposed to know what we are supposed to get out of anything that allows us to miss what we're really getting. Don't you wish she was your best friend? (laughs) Hey guys, it's Carly from Work Party, and I'm here to talk to you about Acuity Scheduling. Acuity is the 24-7 virtual scheduling assistant that works behind the scenes to fill your calendar. It books your appointments and meetings, and by doing so, takes hours of work off your plate so you can focus on more important tasks. Who couldn't use more hours in their day, especially with the holidays quickly approaching? From the moment clients book, Acuity steps in to send booking confirmations with your branded messaging, deliver text reminders, process payments, and more. Never waste time asking, what time works for you on an endless email chain again? Because with Acuity Scheduling, clients can view your availability in real time, book their own appointments, easily reschedule, and even pay online. This automation tool helps your day-to-day run smoother, even as your business grows. Our team lives on social media, so we love that clients can also book through our Facebook or Instagram pages. And speaking of on-brand, Acuity allows you to customize your scheduling page with photos to wow current clients, as well as attract new ones. Acuity scheduling can adapt to any business. It can accommodate multiple locations and employees, class bookings, private sessions, add-on sales, and even recurring subscriptions. Save yourself from the day-to-day drudgery of having to keep up with your clients and your busy schedule by using Acuity scheduling. For a limited time only, you can get 45 days of Acuity scheduling absolutely free, no credit card required, by going to acuityscheduling.com slash workparty. That's acuity, A-C-U-I-T-Y, scheduling.com slash workparty. Hey guys, my name is Lindsay Metzlar and I'm the host of We Met at Acme. If you've ever had any problems with dating or success with dating or just been intrigued by people's interpersonal relationships, this is the podcast for you. Deal breakers, dating advice, bad habits, good habits. Check out We Met at Acme on Apple Podcasts every Sunday. Thanks, guys. Soph and I lean on each other pretty hard and we... We have a pretty diverse group of friends. One of the things that I think is really amazing about our friend group is that, you know, I mean, look at her skin. I'm not going to lie. It's annoying. (laughs) But one of the things you might be able to tell is that we are not the same age. I mean, you know, I'm a couple years older. (laughs) But it is great because I do have 
more years of experience on the planet Earth. That's how I like to talk about being older. But I am not necessarily wiser. I will call Soph and be like, what the hell do I do if this happened and that happened? Ah." And I will get advice that would never have occurred to me. Age is no longer an indicator of being able to give good advice, of experience is an expertise, for example, is no longer how we measure advice, right? It used to be when I started on What Not to Wear in 2002, people were looking for advice from experts. You had to have your thousand, 10,000 hours to say you were an expert. Who the hell cares if I did 10,000 hours of anything? Watching 10,000 hours of watching paint dry is, does not matter. It's not like I'm now an expert in paint. So, you know, it used to matter. We used to say that there was a standard. That's not how we measure, particularly since technology, I think. We don't measure expertise the same way. We, we value shared experience. And I think that's one of the reasons we stopped caring about how to. And we became much more interested in me too. And I don't mean the hashtag me too. I mean me too as in shared experience. And what I think is really important about the experience you're sharing is that because of technology, as you said, there's less inhibitors to expertise. Expertise matters. I don't want to hear someone with no political expertise talk to me about the geopolitical systems that are affecting all of us. I bet you can guess who I'm talking about. Or, or fly a plane. To me. Or fly a plane. Fair. Yes. But, but what I think is so cool is that there really is an expertise to your point that comes with experience. And what I love about our group of friends that quite literally rages from the eight, rages, well, we do rage sometimes. Um, we range from the ages of 25 to 82, literally. Um, our talking circles are the shit. But we have so much to share. And I think that it's incredibly important to look outside of your echo chamber and to look outside of people who are going through just exactly the same thing you are and ask people for advice. You have offered things to me in the world of our careers. You've just offered me such wisdom when I'm in the moment where I call Stacey, oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. It really, really matters. And you were one of the people who said to me when we talk about failures or experiences, you know, I, I quit a job because I was miserable. And then I got a new job, which was this fulfillment of a dream. You know, I developed a script with a documentary film writer, like, hello, I'm a nerd. I was so excited. Um, and we, we made a show and I served as a producer and I was starring in the show and I got to cast the show and I did all the things. And it took a year and a half of behind the scenes work. And then that show was the highest testing pilot at the network we made it for in a decade. Success, 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 right? I don't know what I just said there. I'll try it again in English. Success. And then that show didn't get picked up. And there were all these kind of behind-the-scenes reasons and two different studios partnering. And one studio wanted the other studio to lessen their licensing fee and, like, all this shit that isn't supposed to matter when you're making art, except it mattered. And they said, this doesn't make financial sense for us, and they didn't pick up the show. I was like, "Everything everything is awful. Everything is over. And you and our friend Ryan... My two of my wisest friends said, yeah, but remember when you said to us, you've been on location for 15 years, you've missed weddings and birthdays and babies, and 
you want to work at and home. rages and rages sometimes. Sometimes I'll fly in just for the Saturday night dinner, but you know. And you both offered me such wisdom in that moment when I was really heartbroken because I've never been more proud of anything that I've ever made. And you said this show was supposed to shoot in LA, and then three weeks before you started production, they told you you had to move to Canada. Do you really want to live in Canada? And I was like, I mean, my dad's Canadian. I love Canada, but I, I don't want to live there. And it was such a moment where you reminded me to hold to my own standard of what I'm worth. And I'd like to think that 16 years into my career, I'm worth shooting a show in my hometown. And the irony being that if the show had been picked up, I'd literally be living in Canada right now, and I would not be able to do my podcast until next year. And also, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. I would be putting off the things that I want to do for another year and another year and another year. And that's how a decade goes by and you wonder what you've been doing. Uh, to this point, I really do believe, and I know you've all heard this before, and certainly if you've all started companies and you've all met with, um, you know, hardships and things that you weren't expecting to get in the way and all of these dead ends that, you know, you never think things are going to go either exactly the right way, but you never think that you're going to meet with all of the problems that you wind up meeting. You really do have to believe that things happen for a reason. And I say that because they happen. Not because there's like some grand plan. It's because they do happen that way. And if you don't think about them happening because they're meant to happen, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And because you have to become a problem solver in your own life. So if you're going to sit around and worry why that show didn't get made instead of getting off your ass and saying, I'm going to make a podcast and I'm going to change my life. I'm going to look at whatever that roadblock was and I'm going to figure out either how to get around it or build another road, you're going to sit in front of a roadblock for the rest of your life. And that's a damn long time to sit. Yeah, because everyone always says life is too short. And I'm always leaning in going, life is way too fucking long to do this. This is taking a long time. Yeah. It, it is important. It is so important. And what I think we all are so lucky to experience right now, to be alive right now, to be young women in business right now, is that we're living in an era where being a person who plays across multiple verticals is no longer seen. There used to be this suspect thing. Like when I started my career, there was this weird thing that everyone would say to you, which was, well, you have to pick. Are you going to be in films or TV? And I was like, I watch movies and TV. Why can't I do both? This seems stupid. And, and now, also, and now, it's not just film or TV. It's yeah. like, are you going to be an actress or are you going to have a podcast? Yeah. I mean, yeah. forget it. It wasn't even like you could have a podcast no. back then. But, you know, are you going to be an actress or are you going to be a radio personality? Yeah. I mean, are you going to be an actor or a political person? Are you gonna, I'm like, both. Exactly. Are, was I going to be a fashion editor or was I going to be a designer? Those were my choices. Mm -hmm. I, the, the idea, I agree so much with the idea that for people in your generation, younger... <laughs> the more options that you have, being a multi-hyphenate is really, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's looked on as such a positive thing in my generation as Generation X, really, right? I'm a Generation Xer. I don't know. Sort I don't know of. the I words. I Generation Letters. X. Um, not only did you have to stay in your lane, it was like, I always thought that I, and I, have, I was told this by a network, you don't check any boxes. Mm. And I was like, well, that's, Dope. I don't want to check. And what them. were the boxes that they wanted you to check? Right. I don't want to check your boxes. 
screw your boxes. I'm not a box, (laughs) you know? What you're talking about, this sense of freedom, is something that you should be carrying into the world because you are literally creating the world and showing us the new rules, right? I mean, we are, we're creating the rules as we go. I want to be a dinosaur. Show me what's new. And that's why what we were talking about before, this idea of intergenerational mentorship, intergenerational learning. You know, Soph can call me at three o'clock in the morning and be like, I'm a mess. But I can call her at three o'clock in the morning and be like, I don't know what to do with this Instagram story. Please tell me a punny caption. I got puns for days. For days. You know, it's it's a thing that is sort of embarrassing that I've learned to be proud of. I'm like, this is just me. I have a pun. What do you want? But I do. Th- but but it matters. A, it does matter when you have a phone number that people can call yeah. to talk to you in order to create more discussion around issues that that you bring up on your podcast. This is not the way that I understood quote unquote fame, right? When I started in television, you had a private life and you had a public persona. Mm. There was not this kind of direct communication. Twitter to me was a novelty when I, that was the first thing. I mean, Facebook was for my friends. Twitter was my first communication with the public. I had no idea that those barriers were going to get broken down. And let's face it, in some ways, social media is a nightmare and it has caused all kinds of problems, but in other ways, and certainly, you know, I look to Sophia as a standard for what can be done with social media, Mm. it is going to change the world. I mean, we can change the world. We can find lost puppies, and we can certainly change what is going on politically because we can all use our voices and we can raise people up. Mm. We need people like Soph to really stand up and make our voices heard. And we have to follow her um, and people like her. But I never understood that you could have that true, authentic communication. And sometimes I worry it's cultivated authenticity with some people, and we have to be aware of that as well. But when somebody like Soph is saying, here's my number, and literally screen shooting and saying, look, I'm not kidding. I'm having this conversation with Joe Schmo right now in, in Minnesota. I'm like, what in the hell is happening? It is funny when I open my text inbox, though. So I just put, there's this really incredible, again, apps and tech are amazing. So there's this incredible new technology platform that allows you to have a phone number for one-to-one texting, which is the coolest thing ever. But also it's a phone number that's run through a company. Because as I learned, the reason they do that is to protect you because... Most of your fans are probably just fans, but there's people out there who understand how to reverse hack a cell phone number and then figure out where you live. I was like, cool, cool, cool. Not going to do that. So I got a second phone number that runs through this aggregator, whatever. It's a whole bunch of algorithmic shit we don't need to talk about. And every once in a while, I open the inbox and it's like, I'm, I'm averaging, I think, like 16,000 inbound text messages a day. It's fine. And it's amazing. And... So occasionally in the first three texts, because I'm trying to text like 10 people back a day, this is my pledge. Someone will be like, this is a joke. I'm so pissed. You haven't responded to me. And I'm like, I could just use a little patience. I'm trying so hard. But, it, is, but it's I, a cool I, new way. I'm your friend and I am astounded. You're like, your pledge is 10 a day. Every time I talk to you, you're answering. It's like, hang on one second. I'm like, just She's one second. Answering. I'm like, when is there time for me? But... I mean, we have the 3 a.m. time slot, but it's actually really incredible because I can share 
a book list. I can share the link to a podcast. I can share, you know, photos from the podcast studio that I'm not putting on Instagram. I can send things to people that are really personal and I'm into it. And I've only had to block two people for texting me about my feet. So like, I feel like it's going really well, you know, because those are the messages I don't want. It's like on the street when the guy's like, take it as a compliment. I'm like, no, No. I don't want to. Stay away from my feet. Just like stay away from my feet. If you want to talk to me about my shoes, body parts, right? Yeah, shoes are just the body in general. But 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 to to your point, I think it's very cool that we have more and more ways for all of us to connect with each other to break down these weird kind of imposed ideas that some people are like successful and have it all together. Every chance I get, I like to look at an audience and be like, I have no idea either. We're all doing great. One of the, you know, more startling facts about, about, you know, social media and certainly with Instagram is that, you know, the rise in depression has been pretty astronomical because we look at people's lives and we think that they're all perfect and, you know, screw it. I would love to make some filters that make people like, you know, their acne worse and their hair, you know, falling out because I'm tired of seeing everybody look so perfect. I know that you're using a filter, you dumb bitch. Um, Here's what I want to say about that, because it is really important. It is, for all the things that are going on that are great about technology, you must connect with your people in real time, in real life, whether it is through your company, your clan, whatever it is. It's not enough to just connect through social. Because the whole idea in Shirley Turkle's book, I I think that's her name, Alone Together, is that you really are still alone. And this whole idea that it's like cool to be lonely is not okay. This is the new thing in Instagram. My girlfriend is here somewhere and she was saying, she sent me a picture that I just showed Soph that there is, um, it's the new cool thing on Instagram is to talk about that you're lonely. That is not cool. That is not okay. Nobody, it is not okay for humans to feel lonely. And when you're building a company and you're doing it on your own or you're doing it with two or three people, you know, and you call mom and dad and you are sad, it is not okay to feel lonely. And it is not okay ever to feel less than. Everyone in this room and everyone who is working their ass off to accomplish something needs to know that you are more than. So that's just one thing to say. I just love you. I love you too. I just am like, I just love you. It, and it's so true. You know, Glennon always says, and if you haven't read Glennon Doyle's books, She's please dope. get them, do yourself a favor. Her new one's available for pre-order. Uh, it's incredible. But she says this thing that I love. She says, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. And it's so important. And it's part of the reason I wanted to do this, that I wanted to do the podcast, that I've taken all these opportunities to speak more and more in the last couple of years, because I really think it's important. We all have this idea. We look at people who we admire or who we think define success or whatever. And we, we have this, whether it's conscious or subconscious idea that, well, she's got it all figured out. She's got her life together and is probably really happy. And once I achieve this and this and this, I'm going to feel that way too. And I don't know a single person who wakes up in the morning and looks in the mirror and is like, I'm amazing and I'm never going to be depressed again. It just doesn't happen. You know, the, the conundrum of our lives is that we set goals. Great. Goal setting is great. 
But we achieve those goals and then we set new goals. So we're always kind of chasing something on the horizon. And I think that that should be, if we think about our perspective, our goals should be motivating. They should inspire us. We should be like, the best version of me is going to do that. And, both and, we need to be able to look at the lives we're living today and go, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't done that, but look at these things that I did do and look at what a good friend I am. And if I realize today that I have been feeling a little lonely this week, FaceTime people. Reach out. Reach out. Give yourself that sort of soul salve because we did an interview recently with someone who was telling us that human beings need eight hugs a day to survive in their bodies and 12 hugs a day for optimal performance, again, in the body, for your body to function. Everybody hug the person. Please hug the person next to you right now. If if you don't have personal space issues, if you do, it's totally okay. But like, just, I'm going to hug Stacy. Twelve hugs a day, everybody. Oh my God, that's a lot of hugs, Frank. That's a lot of hugs. I was in the car with my, my, produ- my two producers over there a, a few days ago. We hugged our Uber driver. Like, just hug people. It's really, it matters. Your Uber driver might think you're weird, but who cares? Only if they're like one of the people who you're having a nice actual chat with. If you have the Uber person who's like jerking you around the city, maybe that's not the person. Right. But you get what I mean. Exactly. Don't ride the brake too hard. Oh. But here's, you know what, what I wanted to say about that, I think is really important. You do want to set goals. You always want to have goals. And some days you'll reach them and some days you won't. The idea is not to always like be so hard on yourself, but to stay motivated. And the one thing that I think is really helpful with that is to say, you're always going to be moving. Instead of saying, I reached this goal and then I've gotten there, that, that there's some sort of finish line. The idea is to think of your life as that there is no finish line until you're in the ground mm-hmm. or your ashes are thrown in the sea or you're sitting on Whatever your mantle. personal preference. Right. Whatever it is, that you're, there is no goal, there's no finish line until you're finished. So instead of thinking there's an end point and then you have to set another set of goals, it's always much, you think of yourself as like a goldfish, right? You don't, or a shark. It's like you don't, it's not like you're going to die if you stop moving. It's just the idea that the whole point of living is to keep going. So if you, if you don't think of each goal as each accomplishment as an end in and of itself, it's just another rung on the ladder. It makes it a lot easier to just kind of keep going without having to pat yourself on the back or be like, I'm done. Now what? right? There's like, instead of that high and then that low, you can kind of just see it as one more step. And it, I think, is a way to keep yourself from the adrenaline rush and then the kind of like adrenaline low that happens sometimes. I love that. And something that I think is amazing that's ringing in my head as you're saying that is I think about all of the rungs of the ladder that I, as first a really over-the-top fan, and now your friend, lucky me, have watched you climb. I've watched you do shows. I've watched you write a book. I've watched you two, two books. Um, I've watched you work on another. I've watched you write these incredible articles and, and you're doing so many things all of the time. And if we go back to that idea of playing in all of these different verticals. Think of them as different ladders. My curiosity is And something I think is really important when we talk about being women in business and wanting to be multi-hyphenates, you know, 
I look at my acting career. I look at my journalistic work with the podcast and the writing that I do. Political career. I look career. at politics and social activism. Who would and, like to see Soph run? Just curious. <laughs> I mean, eventually, I'm game. I look at, you know, now running a business in Detroit with one of my best friends, Nia. We have a business called Detroit Blows, and it's an actual open to all, intersectional and diverse beauty salon because it annoys my other best friend and I that we can't go and get our hair done together in 2019. And we realize like, oh, we're pissed about it. So we should do something about it. Why are we waiting for somebody else to solve this problem? And what I had to start thinking about because playing in all these spaces is my dream and it can also feel a little overwhelming. I started to think about what's the umbrella you know, what's the overarching theme here? And the overarching theme is always telling women's stories, creating more just and equanimous spaces for women, and standing up and speaking up for women, even if what's affecting them isn't personally affecting me, because our liberty is all tied together. And once I figured out clearly, once I named what it is that really motivates me to step into any of those spaces, what it actually did for me was make it really easy to say no to anything that doesn't fall under that umbrella. And something that I want to share with you guys is the need for that too. As you're out hustling and building your businesses and cultivating your socials and doing all the things that are required, get really clear about what the sort of pillar is that all your verticals fall in and anything that doesn't fall in that pillar, say no to because it doesn't deserve your time. Yeah, and I you will be asked to do everything and show up for everyone and work for free. What is this thing that we're expected to show up and work for free? No more of that. I would love for all of us to not do that anymore. I really, really want for all of us to figure out what it is that, that serves us and then lets us serve the world. And like, Say no to everything else. I think clarity is very important, what you're saying. When, when you really hone in on what it is that you want for your company, what you want your mission to be, um, then other things fall away. Because we do, I think as women, have a tendency to say yes all too often. Mm -hmm. um, the no's are much harder because we don't know what we're supposed to say no to. Um, a lot of times it's unclear where we want our businesses to go. We think we're doing favors so that people will pay us favors back. No, they won't. No, they won't. So you really, you know, and drawing a line in the sand, people are going to think we're a bitch if we say no. Well, they might. Tough shit. <laughs> Honestly, if you don't make those choices now, I still worry a lot that when I say no, people are going to be like, they hate me. They, they're just, they think I'm a bitch. Now they're not going to ask me to do something when I really want it. They're not going to. Tough shit. Really, being clear on what your goals are and saying no when things don't serve you or your company is essential for you because you only have so much energy. So that is absolutely, truly important to what you do and how your time is spent. Mm -hmm. And men never have this issue. They never, we are, they are not people pleasers just inherently, societally, they're just not. So that is something that you need to think about when you are building your brand. One other thing that I will say, and you were saying this around socials, your social media tools are just that, they are tools. They are not your identities even for your companies. I love a clap. They're tools. They are not who you are and they are not your brands. So, you know, act accordingly. We are out of time. I know, I can't believe it. 
We had a couple more things we wanted to talk about with all of you, but we'll do, we're going to, we're going to continue. This will be part of Stacy's episode of Work in Progress, which is the title of the podcast. And then we'll have our follow-up combo and we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll text it to everyone. I'll post it on Instagram. You will have more of her genius soon. Have you bought your copy of Work Party the Book? Part career manifesto, part practical business advice, Work Party the Book is everything I wish I knew during my early years as an entrepreneur. The ups, the downs, the things I learned, and the women that helped me to make it happen. Just like in our podcast, Work Party the Book does not shy away from the nitty-gritty details you need to know. If you hope to start your own business or become the HBIC at your current gig, we're here to help you out. Available in hardcover and audiobook on Amazon, also on iBooks at Target and your local bookstore. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Work Party, the podcast. If you felt inspired and learned something new, let us know in a review on iTunes and check us out on social at Work Party. For every episode, we have downloadable resources available on workparty.com so you can put these tips and tools into action for your own business. Thanks again for listening. And as always, work hard, party on.